Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, hello. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin. We are live with another recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'll be your host. I'm also the founder of Array Digital, where we help law firms with their digital marketing and help grow their case pipeline. Today, I have a special guest out of Virginia, so not too far from us here at the Array Digital Studios, Christine Porch. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're not too far away. You're in Salem, Virginia, running your practice there. So we got to chat a little bit backstage and I got to learn more about you and, and your firm and things like that and what you guys are up to. But just really excited to hear that from you, hear your story, your journey, you know, what what kind of triggered you to become an attorney and, you know, tell us a little bit more about what that journey was like. Sure. Well, you know, I think that it starts with I'm a Southwestern Virginia girl, which is ultimately what's informed our practice as well, because we are in a really odd niche as, you know, Southwestern Virginia is a fairly rural part of the state. It is, you know, sort of anchored by Roanoke, which is a larger city at one end, but west of here, they're really, you know, you have Virginia Tech, you have a number of other sort of metropolitan areas, but it's not like the most populated part of the state. So we, when I left in 1990, because I grew up here, I went to Texas for about 13 years. And when I moved home, the demographics of this area had just changed dramatically. And I had already been working with the Latino community. I had lived in Ecuador. I had been working with battered women in Houston when I went to law school there. And so basically when I came back to, the, to Virginia, it was I was intended to actually start a network of clinics through Justice for Our Neighbors, which was a Methodist ministry and uh, that served immigrants with legal needs. And in fact, that the church funding for that kind of never came through. And so I hung my own shingle. And so in 2003, I started my practice, I think it was September of 2003. So we are just past our anniversary. Um, started with one attorney, with, with just me and with one paralegal who is still with me to this day, who has the poor judgment to have stayed for over 15 years. But we are now six attorneys and about 15 to 16 other staff. And, you know, we do exclusively, we practice exclusively in the area of immigration law. Um, and we do adoption, which is a weird sidebar, but we do it because we were involved in international adoption for so many years. So I'm a member of um, the American Academy of Adoption Attorneys. I'm, you know, we're, we're members of AILA, which is one of our, um, you know, voluntary bar associations. And then we, we're highly involved with the Federal Bar Association Immigration Law Section. So Rachel and I, my law partner, Rachel and I both teach nationally, which is one of our favorite things to do. So happy to be here and chat with you. Excellent. Well, Thank you for sharing that little bit there. And yeah, the south part of the state, if you're not familiar with Virginia, uh, yeah, just the southwest part, it's it really starts to become a little bit more desolate and um, but beautiful out well, there as well. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> country. And the, the thing about it is that there are industries that depend on immigrant labor. And we have, you know, we've sort of that niche that we developed here is unusual, but we kind of have become this sort of like regional firm in that, you know, we're really serving Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and just Kentucky and Tennessee. But it really is a sort of I-81 corridor, you know, if I-81 sort of transects the state 
state in the West. And, yeah. you know, it's an I-81 corridor sort of practice or an Appalachian region practice. And as you know, Appalachian, the Appalachian region is a very different region than the rest of the state. Um, not that we don't have clients elsewhere, we do, but we, those clients kind of come to us organically. We're not directly marketing to them. Yeah, again, I love it out that way. Um try to travel out there and go to the mountains, go backpacking, camping, mm-hmm. went up to a Virginia Tech game in a couple of weeks. So just a beautiful area. If you're listening and you've never been to Virginia, it'd be a really cool mm-hmm. uh, area yeah. to visit for sure. Wineries, all kinds of cool stuff. So for everyone uh, listening and watching, if you're watching, the website address for her firm is below. It's a very nice website. Go check it out. You can learn more about what they're doing. It's if you're listening, it's porchthompsonlaw.com, and that's P-O-A-R-C-H for porch. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, go check that out. But uh, very nice website, kind of a cool, unique brand and style to it, which, Christine, let's give more uh, about uh, kind of your logo and some of the styles and some of the things you've done from yeah. a marketing perspective. So, you know, we, we kind of manage the practice, and we have always had the practice um, sort of grow out of a really intentional, you know, relationship to the clients that we serve. So initially the very first logo for the law firm was actually Our Lady of Guadalupe's face sort of turned down. And what's the logo now is actually Our Lady of Guadalupe's rosette from her robe. And so while we don't only obviously work with Latino clients, you know, that had a particularly significant meaning for me. And it certainly, we work, we do the work we do out of a kind of purpose and a sense of mission, even though we are doing it both on the employment-based side and the family and individual side. So in terms of the website design, my husband at that point was at Topcoder, which was a company that was later bought by Wipro. And so we actually outsourced, we crowdsourced that website and got some amazing results back. As you're probably aware, you you know, Topcoder at that point, and there are other platforms similar to Topcoder. Basically you, you send out your specs, you several people respond, if not, you know, tens or dozens, depending yeah. on the size of the project. And the design work that they did, you know, we wanted something clean. We wanted something that that wasn't stock photos, right? We wanted faces that we yep. and stories that we could tell. Um, and so we it, I love you saying that it's a nice website, but we have literally done nothing to it in a year and a half. So it makes me feel <laughs> a little bit guilty. We just haven't we have not been the best best stewards of a website. Let's put it that way. Well, since I own a company that does websites for law firms, um, <laughs> that's that something um, you can help with. Is that well, what no, you're doing <laughs> well, when I say, you know, it's yeah, you should keep your website up to date. It should be weekly, monthly, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's, it's got a unique brand. It's got the real photos. It's got real faces and people. And I think, you know, that's a big thing. And I think every firm should try to put that effort in. It's a pain in the butt sometimes. It's hard to get photos and, you know, staff doesn't want to get photos or or whatever. But I think, you know, it's important to capture not just the firm, the purpose, the mission. When they see who you are. Clients can mm-hmm. connect with you more through that. And video is even better if you can do that too. But, and then also if you're, if you're a locally focused company, that's your, you know, you're representing your area and, and pulling that through, you know, yeah. as well. So yeah, I just think it's. Well, a, and, it's a nice yeah. Well, we update the blog, but we have, and, and obviously our staff, but we, you know, it's just one of those things that as you're aware, cause you work only with attorneys, there's just so many competing things that demand your attention. Right. And the most important <laughs> thing is the client work that you're doing. So yeah. things like that tend to fall off the table. You know what I mean? At some point, right. At least for a period of time. And, you know, there has to be some level of, of grace. You extend yourself to be, <laughs> to be able to continue to run a practice with a website that's current, but is probably 
probably not operating at its peak performance just because, you know, there's a time crunch. And sure. especially with COVID, of course, we've all been dealing with very different and difficult circumstances, right? It's affected law firms very differently. And so we're seeing that, you know, there's even more competition now, I think, for our time than there was before. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why we're here. I'm not trying to pitch ourselves on the podcast necessarily too much, but uh, it's, well, yeah, it's you podcast. do what you do. You, you know, you do what you, you do. And well, it's like my attorneys, I have business attorneys that we rely on and um, you know, they do that work for me because for one, I can't and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm going to say, hey, I think we should do this. And they're going to say, yeah, 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 whatever. You're going to, you should do this <laughs> instead. And um and we take their opinion and we let them do the work. So, but either way, I, I love the style, I like the the brand. I like the, you know, that it means something. You just didn't get some random logo yeah. that's just the, uh, the initials of, of the two partners or something like that. So I think you've done a good job with this. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time, 757-333-3021. We have a, I mean, the that kind of sense of intentionality behind the practice is I think what's driven it from the start. And that goes into things like very organically, we kind of became a firm of women. And that is in part because a lot of our policies were driven by that very first employee that I was just discussing and the needs that she had at that point in her life. And so I think that those policies have continued and just happened to be ones that that engendered a strong female workforce. And those were things like our leave policies, but also things like, you know, the, the fact that every federal holiday we close so that there's some gap, there's some break that is very intentional since our work is federal you know, in, in yeah. nature. And then I think that there is the aspects of the firm that are very relational, I think is also, you know, very much a kind of female vibe sort of feel. And I think that's important because I think there's some warmth to that that doesn't get communicated always with law firms um, and some familiarity. <laughs> and that meant we broke some rules and I don't mean ethical rules. I mean, it meant we broke some of these like attorney rules about how you have to have a suit on every second. And you, because the work we're doing is sometimes has us in the middle of a field, right? Like sometimes we're in, we're literally transiting through, oh, sorry, I lost my earbud. We're transiting through an orchard, right? Like to talk to folks or other times where we are in boardrooms and we, we look the part, but there is an authenticity, I hope that comes through that is driven by, you know, not just the work we do, but the way that the way we approach that work. No, I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome. And you know, your firm should organically kind of grow and go where it needs to go. And mm -hmm. you should be proud of that. So I think it's, it's, uh, again, you can see the difference with it. And just, just looking at the website, of course, I'm just talking with you and, and seeing how you guys operate and it's legitimate. It's uh, authentic. So I think mm -hmm. uh, that's what you should be. And I think there's, there's a lot of firms out there, especially some older firms that maybe are not that authentic and do crazy advertising and, and try to, you know, yeah. stand in front of a courthouse and, and random stuff like that on all their, their photos. So I think, um, I think what you've done is great. Yeah. And we, I think that that piece of it with the work that we, that the kind of work that we do, that particular, that also is how we get our referrals. I mean, 90% of our referrals are word of mouth from previous clients. 
or they are word of mouth from attorneys, meaning attorneys are referring their clients to us because we have this specialty that you can't dabble in, that you can't just kind of practice a couple of hours in a week. It is, you have, it's like tax law. You have to be on top of it all the time. It changes every hot second, right? Especially in the last five years, right? It has been mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, mercurial, right? And it's changes. And so with that kind of practice, you're really depending on those relationships to draw drive your future revenue. And so you, you want to make sure that those kinds of relationships are solid that you have with your, with your other, your, your referring attorneys, whether they're corporate attorneys referring you companies that need to bring in foreign labor or whether they are, you know, families that are referring other families. So I think sure. either way, those are critical well, so, relationships. Well, kind of one thing you're hinting on is uh, what something I believe in and something that obviously you do as well is, is niching and focusing and specializing. And I think from, you know, I've had, we've had over a I think about 150 managing partners on this this year that I've gotten to talk with. Plus, we have clients. But it seems like the general practitioner, the lawyer that's in town that just does anything and everything, seems to be going away, is from what I can tell. People are coming out, starting their own firms, mm -hmm. and they're picking a very specific practice area. And then maybe they'll add things if they grow and add partners naturally. You know, but I it's I see a lot more niching happening. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there we had to kind of combat some stereotypes. Like we're still asked how our clients pay us because the stereotype is we're only representing, you know, like migrant farm workers or something, which is absolutely not true, right? We're representing CEOs and engineers and lots of different professions. And then we're also representing lots of different families, right? Not just families from, you know, Central and South America, but all over the world, you know, more than 108 countries. So I think that there is some stereotyping that goes into, you have to inform your community who you are in a way that that lets them connect the dots when they need to. And I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was starting out was make sure the bar knows what you're doing, right? Make sure that you're visible and that you're doing the kind of work that, that really does lay out for people the nuances of your practice because they do tend to stereotype the, the work that we do. And that not, and then again, not out of a, in, from a prejudicial place, but rather from a, you know, just the little bit they know about immigration law. How they've been educated we, about it. Yeah. We work these, yeah. we, with these sorts of clients. And of course the clients we work with are much broader, much more diverse than most people assume. And so we do have to do a little bit of work to inform folks of that. The one thing we avoid, because I just think it's, it's ethically sort of sketchy is doing any direct client identification unless we have consent and have, have things signed because basically you're, you're telling their story with, and maybe they're not going to fully understand the impact or the distribution of that online. And so we're a little careful with that about identifying clients in any way, because even with verbal consent, of course, something could take off, right? Socially, within social media that you didn't intend or have a consequence you didn't intend. And so we do try to be careful about that. Excellent. So yeah, niching is huge. We niche, obviously. It's so much easier to say, hey, here's what we do. And here's what we do it for. Yeah. Um, and then that's easy for people to refer you. <laughs> what does Kevin do again? I don't know. You know, you don't get any referrals if you just work with everybody. So it's been powerful for us and for you as well, it seems. So uh, what are some, another question is outside of the referrals and relationships you have, which are the most important, what are some of the things that you've done that's generated business um, outside of, out of, you know, outside of referrals? Um, I think that our speaking, we do, if, if you look on our website, we have a couple of tabs that are that I think are relevant to that question. One is public 
public education. We do a ton of public education for free. So some of us, our best marketing is getting out there in the community and talking to groups, whatever those groups are. Sometimes we actually put on seminars that we bring in stakeholders that work with the immigrant community. Um, we do all of those for free. Sometimes we're talking to churches. Sometimes we're talking to, you know, smaller groups, that kind of marketing where, you know, it isn't really right. It's really purposeful work that you're doing that just has a marketing consequence. And that yeah. has been some of the most effective work that we've done. The, the second thing would be our relationship with community partners, right? We purposefully associate with community partners that have distinguished reputations that we feel that we can throw support behind them, whether it's financial or it's, you know, other support. And so we put on a lot of those programs. This is obviously not since COVID, but we put on a lot of those <laughs> programs in conjunction with those community partners. And those were people like the U.S. Attorney's Office with, or the Attorney General of Virginia's Office, meaning they're not just private partners like Roanoke yeah. Spanish, which does an enormous amount of work, translation and interpretation, but also basically, you know, public, private kinds of cooperations to educate social workers, teachers, whoever we're working with, right, or whoever we're talking to about those particular issues that affect their work with immigrants. And so I think that's been an incredibly effective way of partnering. And it, it has the consequence of, I think, spreading our brand a little more broadly or diffusely. That's excellent. And yeah, to, I'm excited to get back to normal, hopefully, and get out in front of people. Like, you know, I like to do workshops and speak mm -hmm. if I can and, and get out in front of groups. I was talking to her, Christine, earlier is, you know, for me uh, and my company looking to get involved with more groups, uh, associations, and things like that. But, you know, COVID has been a little bit of a, a hinder on that. But Hopefully things will turn around and uh, we'll be a get back to that in uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. So next last question, I guess, before we want to let you go, I'm sure you're busy today. What are some of the plans, you know, going forward? Obviously, COVID is still kind of you know hanging around. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, if you put that aside, what is really the next couple of years? What's on your radar for what you're trying to accomplish? Well, it's not that different than what it was before COVID, honestly. I mean, we the, the, the problem was, of course, COVID interrupted those initiatives. But our public education project, right, the work that we do in that sector that I've described is incredibly important to us. And we want to get back to that. But I think that the other focus or the, the foci that we've had is within the adoption and the employment law sector, right? We Our goal is to be a regional law firm. Our goal is nice. to specifically help the Appalachian region with its labor needs, right? On that, you know, with our employment-based work. And that requires an understanding of the region. It requires, you know, I'm, I've been here my whole life, except for when I was a Texas transplant. And so, you know, we, those are, it's a region that has its own sort of peculiarities and its own demands and its own issues and its own needs. And I think that to the extent that we can serve those in a regional way, that is probably the prime focus, you know, of our work. And because our region, even if you're just talking about Virginia, you know, we're, we have clients as far north as Harrisonburg, we have clients as far west as Richmond, but we try to focus really west of Richmond, right? I, and we're very clear about really where our, where that you know regional focus ends and begins. So our goal isn't to be a national law firm. And as you know, a lot of the marketing work that's out there, especially some of the online platforms that you're you know putting profiles on, um, those platforms are sometimes a little too diffuse in their national focus, or they're too diffuse in their in their state focus. And so what you end up doing is you're you're basically working with an entity that says, oh, well we can get you in Virginia and West Virginia and 
and Tennessee and North Carolina. And you're like, I don't want to be in all of North Carolina. I just want to be in the part that is the Northwest part, right? I don't yeah. want to be in all of Virginia even, right? I want to be West of Richmond and I want to focus my marketing efforts there. And that's, yeah. that's a little hard with the existing online platforms that are the, the most commonly known ones. Right. It's a yeah. little harder because you're drilling down into cities and you're and in a rural area like ours, you're not capturing right the same impact that you might be if you were in New York sure. or DC. So well, it's helpful to us to have, I think, a more customized approach to our marketing effort. Yeah. Well, you know, for I know for us, our approach is very to try to drill down as much as we can, whether it's geo-targeted content for SEO or mm -hmm or advertising, getting very specific with zip codes and neighborhoods and stuff like that. So there's ways to do it, but most people think, oh, you want to go big. It's like, no, you, you really do want to focus. You want to focus very, you know, and then work your way out if you need to, but go hard focus first and then work mm -hmm. your way out if you, you feel that's not big enough of an area. But that's great. Yeah. So as far as, you know, kind of focus on there, you know, any growth, any new attorneys that you're trying to add, what do you kind of see on that side of things? Well, I think that we've always grown, right? We kind of, we intentionally sort of held our breath when COVID started just to kind of see what was going to happen. And ironically, it hadn't, it didn't really affect anything until the election. And the election is really what affected us more than anything. And that was, you know, a very brief moment where I think people just did not know what to expect coming out of that election. Yeah. And so it resulted in, you know, for example, contracts signed, right, during that third quarter, fourth quarter, were a little low, right? Usually third and fourth quarter are our biggest quarters. So, you know, yeah, people holding off and saying, wait, let's see what happens. Right, because that immigration is federalized. So there were some really big concerns about what was going to happen with, with the election in November. So I think in terms of the growth plans, we've we've always had a steady growth curve. We've we've always grown the size of the firm and we've never been afraid to kind of take risks in doing that, meaning you're never going to be able to grow if you just wait till you're super comfortable doing it. There's always a level of discomfort, <laughs> right? When you're pushing the envelope. And yeah. I think with us over the next year or two, what we expect is that we're going to be sort of cementing that regional influence. We're going to, you know, be working with more and more corporate clients as we develop that practice area even more beyond just my capacity with other attorneys. And I think that's, you know, we just added two attorneys in the last year, two years, one that graduated and took the bar and passed the previous year and one that just took it and passed this year. So I think we're already seeing that sort of growth. We already, within our office, we tend to kind of promote from within. And so we are moving folks around and we're constantly looking at how best to, how, how to run efficiently and how to stay lean, right? That's internally, you know, our focus at this moment. But externally, I think it's just making sure we have a regional presence that's strong and that we're beginning to build those relationships within each of our sort of niches. My partner has a very different sort of community than I have. And those two communities are both you know, sort of ripe for development. So I think that we're ready to get beyond COVID and quit using the word. I'm so tired of hearing it. <laughs> Amen to that. I am on board. Let's yeah. all do our part to uh, help Christine in that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, I appreciate you so much coming on to share your story. And yeah. uh, I think, I hope a lot of firms listening or other attorneys listening can, can take a lot from this. I think uh, being focused, being niched, you know, some of the things you guys are doing with education, community partners, I think it makes a lot of sense. And you're, and you're focused on a certain area too, that you're not just trying to, yeah. to go everywhere. So I think a lot of learn, check out the websites below again, if you're watching on video, is there another way that people could connect with you if they're tuning in to the show? 
Sure. Basically, we have an email that goes directly to me and Rachel both, and it's info at porchlaw.com, I-N-F-O at porchlaw.com. And it could also be info at porchthompsonlaw.com, whichever one okay. you want to use. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Hopefully, if you anyone got any questions, you want to learn more about Christine, connect with her. I got que- or you got questions. Or if you're an attorney in her area looking and uh, specializing in immigration, maybe you reach out and talk to her. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be growing. So um, everyone also tune in if you... I uh, want to see this episode on our website, also be up on YouTube. It'll also, audio version will be up on our podcast versions uh, as soon as the editing gets done. So look out for that. You can go to raylaw.com forward slash podcast. We'll feature that up there within probably the next week or so. And then of course, if you need help with any kind of marketing for your law firm, please reach out to us, raylaw.com. You can contact me directly. Even if you have questions, happy to help you. It's You can reach out to me personally, Kevin at thisistheray.com. And that's it. Christine, anything else you'd like to share before we go? No, thanks so much for having me. All right. Don't use the word COVID anymore. Have a great (laughs) Wednesday. I don't know how it's Wednesday already. It seems like it's Monday. And almost November, right? Almost November. Almost November. But thanks so much for coming on today and sharing. Um, I will be up in your area in a couple of weeks. Maybe I'll have the chance to stop by and see you. But I'll be there for, a, I think, the Duke-Virginia Tech game. So Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast with one person just like you.